Ghostman Horror Host here with another story for you to hear. The story tonight for you, my friends, is the Gospel by Mega Lankan. Here, said Grinnin, we clear the trees. Now keep your counsel, hey boy. Why, what is this? Is this the midwife's house, I thought? Dread fudded in me since two days before ago, the old trees. When I knew we were in my father's forest, I feared this. The house looked just as it did in my memory. The crumbling, glittering yellow walls, the dreadful roof sealed with drippy white mud. My tongue rubbed the roof of my mouth, just looking. It's crisp as a wafer biscuit on the outside. That mud, you bite through to a sweetish sand inside. You are frightened, it will choke you. You cannot stop eating. A midwife might be dead. I thought, hopefully, so many are dead after all of the black. But then came a convulsion in the house. I faced past the window hole, and there she was at the door. Same squat body with big face snaring above, same clothing even. After all these years, the dress trying to, for blushness and pitiful, for brown through all the dirt. She looked just as strong. However, much bigger I had grown. It took all my strength to hold my bowels together. Don't take a step nearer. She held a fire fire banger in her hand, but it was so dusty, if I had not known her, I would have laughed. Madam, I pray you, said Grendlin, we're clean as clean, as that's not a speck on us, and not a blister. Humble travellers in our need of only a pig hut or a chicken shed to shelter the night. Touch my stock and I'll have you, she says in all in all her smoothness. I'll roast your head in in a pot. I tugged some Grimmy's sleeve. It was all too sudden, one moment walking, wondering, the next on the doorstep with a witch right there, talking heads in pots. We are the pretties to trade, said Grimmon. You can put your pretties up in your pot holes where you, you, they belong. We have all the news of our long travel. Are you not all curious about the world that it was its woes? Why would I live here? Tough ahead, she went inside and slammed her door and banged the shutter across the window. She is softening, said Grimmon. She is curious. She can't help herself. I don't think so. You watch me. Get us a fire going. That's there on the bare, bit of bare ground. She will come and throw a bird in it. She'll bind us and then just shut up and, and tell you. This one is as good as married to me. I'll have her heart in my hand. Like a kitten, kitten rabbit. I am sure he was taken. I went to too, because fire meant food. Just the sight of the house had made me hungry. When I fed the fire, its kindling had dug up a small stone from the flattered ground and sucked the dirt off it. 
Gideon had me make a smelly soup of saltfish. It had, it had in it a celery and yellow spice. When the smell was strong, the door walked open, and there she was again. Oh, she was like in my dreams, in all the suddenness, and ugly intentions that you can't guess. But it was me and Glennon this time, not me and Crystal. Glennon was big and smart. He had his own purpose. I knew there was no magic in the world, just trickery on the innocent. Glennon would never let anyone else trick me. He wanted that privilege all for himself. Take your smelly smells from my garden this instant, the midwife shouted. The mudwife shouted. Grenon bowed as he as she greeted him most vociferously. Madam, you might, if you join us, there's plenty of this lovely bull uh, breast you for you as well. I have not touched my lips such mess. What kind of foreign muck? Even I could hear the longing of her voice. She was trying to shout down. There before she laid out a bowlful, yellow, splashing full of delicious lumps. Very hummily. He does not hum us. Well, when you find these two for such a big man, he took it to her. When he would, when she called, he placed it on her little table by the door. The one that I rang against my clumsiness, when escaping so hard, I still sometimes feel the bruise in my rib. I remember I knocked it skittling out of the door. I flung it back, meaning to trip up, up the mud wife. But I didn't. But instead, I tripped up a crystal, and the woman came out and plucked her up and bellowed before after me and kicked the table onto the path and ran out. Herself and Crystal, like a tortoise, swimming from the fur from her fist and kicked the table aside again. Bang! Went the cottage door. Grimbin came laughing quietly back at me. She is ours. Once they they eat food, honey. You're free to eat this fish and onion pie tonight. I say, look, jealous are we? Do you like Grimbin's supping or other pots? Huh? Is it? Is it? It's not that I glared at his laughing face. She's so ugly, that's all. So old, I didn't know how you could ever think of. Well, I'm no primrose myself, golden boy. She says, I am grateful for any flower that lets me pluck her. I was not old enough and desperate enough to laugh at that joke. I plushed his soap bowl at him. Ah, both of us, he said into the stream, full of golds and seducers. When the mudwife let us, I looked straight into the corner, and the cage was still there. I had been repaired in places with the fresh plaited whips, but it was still in the same pattern. Now there was an animal in it, but the cottage was so dim, a thin, a very thin cat, maybe, or a ferret, it rippled slowly around its borders and splashed like eyes at us, and smelled its own piss were combed. Though it's fur from pomade, I never smelled that bad when I lived in that cage. I ate well, I remember, I fattened. She took away my leavings, a little cup, a little bish, but there was still plenty of me left. But when Carrizo freed me, I lumbered away. As soon as I was out of sight of the mud house, I stopped in the forest and just stood. 
for blowing from the effort of repelling myself after all these weeks of sloth. So that grinning, when he first saw me, said, There's a jubbly one. There's a cheesecake. Whenever you get the makings of those round cheeks, he fell on me like a starving man on a roasted mutton. But before long he had used me thin again, and thin I stayed there after. He is busy at work on the mudwife now. Oh, what a ray of herbs. You must be a knowledgeable woman. And haven't you, hasn't she lot of pots, Hansel? We have a pot for every occasion, I think. Oh, yes, I said, including hide boiling, remember? Well, you are very comfortably set up indeed, madam. He looked about him as if he found himself inside some kind of enchanted place instead of in thinking hovel, the witch in the middle of it. Now I'm sure you told me your name. I did not. My name is not such as you know. Her mouth was all puny, puny, and she strutted around and banged things and shot him sharp looks, but I seen it. We were in here, weren't we? We made it this far. Ah, a guessing game, says Granny delightedly. Now you've got, you know you have a good name. I'm sure Brinda, maybe you'll got, or something very and passionate, such as Rovita, or he can afford to play her a while. It's the worst comes the worst. He has the liquor, after all, the liquor that worked for me when nothing else would, even when I've been, when... When I was ready to run to some town, walls where I could hide as such as that farm, wife that worried face would beat off grandma with a broom. The liquor has softened me much and made me sleep, made me give it to the old bugger's banishments. Next day it stopped me thinking with its head pain, further than to obey grins, grunts and gestures. How does it look? How does it like yours like it? said grinning red head boy viciously. I heard him call her honey like a girl wife. Does he like her like a girl face to face and lots of kisses? Like your boy bits when you are so small, aren't you there? says splashed and grand in. He calls me honey because honey is my name, Hansel. Honey is your name, huh? After the black boy, a boy of black skin from naturalist and illness, after the honey fair, which they, when they had commenced patting and pulling, and held me down and chopped all away with Grenner's, for his good knife, when Grenner saw me, and he met, he went pale, I am pretty sure he's trying to cut some kind of deal with Bradford to swap me for the red hair with a skin like milk or leckle freckle fin, he said. So the only thing he changed, he did not come after me for several nights until the hand had settled. I did not give him as of much air of illumination. Then he whispered, Are you quite handsome about that fact, haven't you? All along, I and things are bad as ever. The next day he tied off the strangler strands. I sat on a stump with my coal thumping, and the other boys idled their way, that watching, warping their faces at the other and snorting. The first time Grinder did me, I could imagine that. 
I could not. I could imagine that didn't happen. I thought I had a big dump full of much nervous earth and stones, and some of them must have been sharp corners and cut me as I passed them. And the throbbing of the cats gave me a dream that the old man had done that to me, because I was so fearful, you know, fear, frightened of everything coming straight from the mudwife. I feared the pain together and made it up in my sleep. The first time I could trick myself before. Because it was so terrible and mortifying a thing, it could not be real. It could not. I have watched for in a long time now. It's success and for failure in fate, private and show. At first I thought he was too smart for me, but I was trapped by his cleverness. And this was true, but I have seen others laugh at him or walk away from his efforts easily, shaking their heads. Others are cleverer. But what, what does he do? What does What does he do? What he does to me, he waits till I wake half asleep. He waits till I never have much fight in me. Just dozing off, I spin, have less. That then, what he does, it's so simple. I'm ashamed. He bears the flesh on my back, and strokes my back as if that is all he's going to do. He does go straight to the very old memory I have, which we never, me having never told him. Does he know it? of being sickly on my first mother bringing me through the night, singing, stroking my back, the oldest and safest ways to my mind. He puts it there, and I am sodden with sweetness and longing and kneeling, something nearly, nearly being back to a baby. Then he proceeds to, uh, it often hurts, it mostly hurts, I often weep, but there is a kind of bargain goes between us. You see, I pay for the first part with the second, a price of the journey to the safe, sweet sodden places being spiked in the arse and dragged, kicking and biting my blanket back to the real and dangerous one. Show me your boy thing, the big mudwife, wife would say. Put it through the bars, I won't. Why not? You will bite it if you cut it off with my, your knives. You will chop it with your axe. Put it out. I will not do such thing. I only want to watch it. Wash it. Then Crystal is awake. If you want me clean, it will be nice. I promise you. I will give you a nice feeling. So warm, so wet. I bet you'll feel good. But when I put it, and but when I put it out, she claimed I am supposed to do with that. Wash it. You, like you said, that's not enough. Even to wash, how could you get that little peepee dirty? I put it away. Like shred, like scrap, I was ashamed of. She flung around the room. Well, when she sat, her face and red crags, a li little the light, the last light of the blanket up fire. I'm going to have to keep you forever, she said, for years before you were any use to me, and you are expensive, you eat like a pig. I should have just cooked you up and have enjoyed you while you were tender. I was all I was all wounded, pride and stupid. I did not know she was talking about I do not I can do anything that my sister can do. If I just let me let me out of this cage, I am a better woodchopper. Woodchopper, she said disgustingly. If I needed a woodchopper, she went to the door. 
and took her axe off the wheel there, and tested the edge with one of her horny fingertips, looked at me in a very thoughtful way I did not like very much. Like, sometimes she, she speaks as she strokes, she speaks, strokes, Mr. My honey, he says, very gentle and loving, like my mother, my goosel, my ghosting, sweet as an apple, sweet as sea. I feel it feels as if he is united and yearning by mother and touch and voice. She cannot have gone forever, can she? If I can remember his feelings so clearly. But ah, to get back to her, so much would have to be undone. So much have to, would have happened. All our grimness of my wanderings. All of which time, all the time of our second mother. That last night of our first mother, our real mother, an awful writhing and noises, our father begging and kissing, weeping and needing to be taken away, and what have, and what would have to become a nightmare, with which my father would shake me awake with the news that the baby came just as Gretel, I as as easily, our mother would rise from her bed with the baby, and we would rise into the baby's next morning and begin. In the very deep of the night, I saw my. I had done my best to be visible, to make no noise. But down the mud by pants, he's not asleep. Oh, of course, he's not asleep. Listen to his breathing. I do not. I do the sleep breathing. Come, says Colonel. I've done with these brooches as they are. I want to go below. He then had his ardent voice on now. He makes you think he's barely in control of himself, and somehow that makes you somehow that flattens you enough to let him do what he wants. After some puffing and puffing, no, she says, very firm, and there's a slap, and I want the boy out of here. What? Wake him so he can go and listen at the window. Get him out, she says. Send him below the pigs and tell them to stay. You are a nuisance, he says. You are a sexy nuisance. Look at this. All the mishap. You wanted my herding children. You do not. You did it, she says, rearranging her clothing. Or you stay that shape. So he comes to me, and I, effect, I am affected to be woken up, a wrist being hurled out of the door. But really, it's a relief, of course. I didn't want to hear or see her now. Oh, no, none of the stuff I understand why people want to sweat and pan the poke bits of themselves into each other, why everyone could wait to do more and hold each other for comfort and stroke each other backs. Moonlight pigs, like slabs of moon, like snong, fruit fallen off moon vine, the trees tall and briny all around above, they never sweat or pork, and most of all it sway in the breeze or crash, in the ground to make unuseful wood, the damp smell of night voice, my friends in ferment telling me that I am too, two days no for the food with a nutty rope, four half days no for the wet rest of Devilstown, which Grinnan called because someone made off in the night, with all the spores we made with off with the night before. I thought we were the only ones who get back in their beds, he stalled on the road. They must have come being very quiet, I said. They must have been accomplished thieves. They must have been spirits of devils, he spat. I do not hear them with my ears. We have been, we were seven and, day, and half days north of very, 
very west of Glidden's camp, where we, where we had, as Glidden put it, tried to comfort life for a while. But these boys, they were a gang of no goods, Glidden said now. Whatever deal he could try to make with the fragrant milk, they laughed at him. Glidden did not stand it when they had been laughed at. He, he took it away, took me away before dawn. Could not stand it here, having been laughed at. He looked up, he took a from dawn one midnight morning, and when he stopped at the stream, and the first night he showed me the brass candlesticks the brother had kept in the sack and was being proud of. What do you, if we use those for? I said foolishly, for he and we managed again when the moonlight, the stars, and our we, our we fire. I did not take them to use them, honeypot, he said with glee. I took them because I loved and polished them so. He flung them into the stream and grass, and clearly laughed to hear me grass, at the sight of them cutting through the foam, and then came coming to dark, cold, irreparable. Anyway, it was new for me. There beyond the wildlife's pigs, this knowing where we are, though I'd lost count these days since Albert when it had come to me, how Gronin looked me up to find his way, not down among a million tree roots, it all looked the same among twenty million grass stalks, among twenty million stones or grass greens. It was even fewer how the star pattern the moon movements had steadied out their moonless whirling, and began to tell me whereabouts I was the wild world. All my life had been stupid, trying to mark the things around me. On the ground, leaving myself traits to get home, because every tree looked in the same looked the same to me, every knoll civity when all the time directions were hampered into their system up there pointing and changing, not ever completely changing. So we came to the other cottage from this angle, whereas Cursor and I from the front that means but Cursor and I wondered so many days, didn't we? I filled my stomach with earth, but kind of with pitless weeping all the time, so I remember. She could not touch the earth. She touched she watched me eating, I wept. I remember, I told her. No much no wonder you're thirsty. Look how much water you're wasting in on those tears. She had brown hair, I remember, I remember for putting it out of her eyes as she could see to sweep in the dark cottage. A cottage where the mud wife voice is rising like a saw for the wood. The house stands glittering and a sound comes out. My mouth waters. They would, they would not hear me over the noise, would they? I crept past the pigs where the bloody roof edge came low. I break off the big blob bigger than my hand. The wooden shingle was holding sides off and my other hand catches it soundlessly. Leans against the house. The midwife, mudwife growls. Something is not out in there. She howls again and Gribman is grunting with the effort. Some think I run away with all those noises. The mud is in, in my hand like a hunk of cake. I run back to the trees where Gribman told me to stay with a woman howls at like mouse squeaks. I cannot hear Gribman. Gribman. I sit between the two ropes and bite in. in. Once I've eaten the mud, I'm ready to sleep. I'm dozing, but it's not comfortable among the roots there. 
It's still noise from the cottage. Now it's Gretel working himself up, calling her all the things he calls me. All the insults, you love it, he says, with such deep disgust, you filthy, you filthy cunt. And she's below, not all like me. And she really does love it. I lie quiet thinking, it's true what she loves it. Then I do. It's true whatever it is that Grandma knows. But I don't. She makes noises. She agrees with whatever he says. Harder, harder. She does bang me till I burst. Harder, harder. On then they go. Until I give up waiting. They are never, they will never finish. I get up and go round the pigsty and begin behind the chicken house. There in the poor field there, pumpkins grow wild in the bilberry bushes foaming dark around the edges. At least the earth might be softened there. I pull enough of the floppy vine, this floppy vine. I gather enough pumpkins around me. Then I am holding not a pale baby pumpkin in my hand, a pale baby skull. Grinch and the midwife below, below in, in the house, something else that crushes broken. The, color, the skull was coloured with white, but hard, inedible. Though when I turn in the moonlight, I, I find tooth marks. Well, somewhere, when someone tried, I, the trites go high, the switch is loud. Grandma's whimpering. I grab my handful of earth to eat, but bone comes with it, like white dry. I let the earth fall away from it. I crouched and looking at the skull and the bone. These two finished themselves in the skull cottage. Then while sleep, I they will sleep now. I am not sleeping anymore. The stars, their maps, we were nailed to inside my skull. My head is filled with dark clarity. I am sure they are asleep. I scoop up a mouthful of earth and start digging. Let me go. Get the midwife of Father Mudmut. Just this once. I have done it twice and done it again. Don't you bring that woman here? Our mother's voice is all constricted, as if the baby was trying to come up for throat. Did not, not her neighbours. But this is not all the others, he said, desperate for the phone in pain. She says she knows all about the children, delivers them all the time. Delivers them? She eats them, said our mother. It's not this, it's just this one. I'm two. Others might catch her while I'm feed and doze. I'd rather die than have her eat near my house. A dirty, filthy hag. So we, she, so she did. Our, our, brother, our new brother and sister died as well, still inside her. We don't know each other. We don't know whatever it was. Were we? Would it be like an? Would it be like another culture of father that asked bright-eyed by the fire at night? Another child would cook her, like her hands. It seemed so important to know. Even when the baby was died, dead, I wanted to know. The whole reason my father sobbed is that they'd not come out for us, you see. Just ashamed to be quiet, then later into the broken towns, where the only way you could tell dirt from the woman was the style of a cap of hidden hair, ribbon draggling into the dirt beneath them of rotten pinafore, or worse than a mounted shrunken scar, shrag, between uncouth person legs. Why, I could see how a small thing it was not to know the little one's sex. I could see it was not important at all.
When I wake up, they are there. They are at it again. They're sexing. My teeth are stuck to the inside of my cheeks and lips and my ridges of earth. I have dirt, break the dirt away from my fingers. What was I thinking last night? I sit up, the bones are on my pile beside me. The skulls are a separate pile for counting, I remember. What I thought was, what you did find all these children. Kurt and I walked for days, I'm sure. There's nothing in the world but trees, owls and foxes. And one deer, Kurt was afraid of bats at night. But I never saw even one. We never saw people, which was what we were looking for. Which is why we were so unwise when we came upon the mudfire's house. What am I going to do? What was I planning piling these up? I thought I was only looking for coastal bits, but all the other skulls turned up, I thought. Well, maybe this one is more coastal sized than the skull after skull. I dug up crunching earth and drooling and breathing through my nose, and the bones seemed to rise up and the earth at me. Seeking out the moon, the way a tree reaches up to light, pushing me up thinly among the other trees until it finds light enough to spread into seeking out of me as they were thinking, here finally is someone who can do something for us. I pick up the nearest skull. Where, which of these was my sister? Even if they were just a way to tell girls, girls and boys, is hers even hers? Maybe she's still buried under the blackberries, but I couldn't go for forms. Now I have a skull in either hand, like someone in the market weighing the cabbage against another. I thought, th- and if the thought comes up, something is different. Listen, a pig's a mudboy for her. Her noise is like pigs. There's no rhythm to them. A random grumping, grasping. I suddenly I place the skulls on a pile. I haven't heard coming this morning. Not a word, not a groan. Just a woman, the woman of the pigs. The sunshine shows the cottage as a how its suggy sides popped, its suggy roofing patched and mud splat simply down to the ground. The back door stands wide. I creep up and it sits down right next to it, my back to the wall. Wet slaps and stirring sound inside. The mud wife grunts. She sounds muffled. Desperate. Has she tied him up? Is he entangled in her? It's not a grass or word from him. A thing in the cage gives a noise, though. A kind of way of low baying. It never stops to breathe. It's a strong smell of shit. The door warms everything up. Flies zoom in and out the doorway. I press myself on the wall, to the wall. There's a drip on the doorway. Where I am brave enough to walk in. Where I put my, my foot and right at the place appears a drop of blood running from inside. It slides into the drip, pulls modestly as it being seen. The shyness hurries along the step and dives into the hiding into the weed below. How long do I wish I stand there looking over the pigsty and the chicken house to the forest, wishing I was among the trees instead of this clamped to the house, all like one of these gargoyles or monks' walls in Devil's Town? Oh, sound opening a new pocket of fear in my bowels. A fly flies in my gaping mouth, I out again. A pebble in the wall digs at the back of my head. I press so hard there. Funny, I have to know. I have to take one look before I run. Otherwise, I dream all the possibilities of the night to come. She's not a witch, she can stir me back. 
I have Finn now I'm nimble. I can easily run away from her. So I loosen my head and put my head rest on me for the wall. I bring one knee and thrace on the other. I'm pushing my head big my big head, my popping eyes around the bell top. I only meant to glance and run, so ready was I for running. I tip upward even when I see then there's no need. I put my foot to catch another, I stare. She was back whipped she has her back to me, her bare dirty white back, her bagging and thighs. If she wasn't go, going what she's doing, it would be horror enough. Now, now everything is wet and withered, hung with hair, now everything shakes. Grinny's dead on the table. She opened his, uh, opened his legs wide, eaten a hole in him, and through his soft parts, she pulled off his innards out under the floor, and a bare, a bare body was tramping the shit out of them. Her bare, shaking legs were trying to brace themselves for a slippery carpet of them. I can smell the salt fish in the shit. I can smell the yellow spice. The devilish moan up and down in its wavers, somewhere between the purr and a battle yell. I thought it was me, but in the shadow in the cage, curling over and over again, is a rainfall of burnt water, its eyes fixed on the mess, hungry hunger. The witch pulls her head out of the corner for air, her head and shoulders of shiny red. She soaked her, uh, her soaked hair drips, her purple-brown nipples point down into two hanging rubies. She snatches down some air between her red teeth and plunges in again, her head inside grimmer like a bulge of dead baby, but higher, forcing higher, plumbing up, pumbling up inside him, fighting to be unborn. In my travels I see many wrongers done, I heard many others told with laughter the roar and fire. I came upon horrors of all kinds for these horrible times, but never has a thing laid out so obvious. Every ungoing and evil before my eyes, under my nose with the eyes feasting even even eyes feasted and even as it happens, never has the means of the end it hung so clearly in front of me as it hangs now on the wall. It smiled the midways Edge, fine at the finest nail, powering brighter the dawn sky. The only thing, the only clean thing in this foul cottage, I reach for my father's house late in the afternoon. I then, how I knew the way when years ago I could put up put my twenty pieces to tree. I wonder lot, and I wonder lost all the day. I don't know. It it can't mess, It just came to me. All the loops are took, all the mistakes are made, all the laid down in their paces all on the world. I took the right way past them and came here straight, one sack on the bottom, the other in my arms. When I dreamed of this house, it was big and full of comforts. I hummed with safety, the spirit of my mother, lit with her inside like a cranked candle curdle, was always here, running out to greet me with delight. Now I see the poor place for what it is, a plague ruin. So many that good and hay have plundered, a tiny not as even as big as rich cottage. It sits into weeded quiet and forest chirps around it. The only thing remarkable about it is I have I am the first here. No one has touched the place, I noted it in my star map. There is safety here, safety a distance greater than most robbers will venture. Or a dark and boy boys dark and a blackened boy's child sits on the step. His head against the doorstep, if only very tired. 
Inside a second child lies in a cradle, my father and a second mother are in the bed, laid side by side, just like the Lord and Lady of the stone tomb in Everburn. Not only so neatly carved and richly dressed, everything is exactly how the cradle was left it. As sparse and spare, there's nothing of value here. Canute would be, would be angry. Burn the bodies. And the boys, and he say, they take their rotten roof, all that, all they have. But Grimmer was not here. I say, I say to the boy to set carrying the mat up to pass him. Grimmer is in the ground with his lady love under the pumpkins, with the great big pumpkin inside her him, and Mister Pumpkin Head is in his arms, so they can sexy for it to get under her forever. I make a stick and mark out the two graves, father, son, mother, brother, sister, and last one, big one for the two sex of good foes. There's plenty of time before sunshine and moon is bright and night, but I don't know if I can work all night. If I have to, I'm strong enough and full enough to full of disgust. I dig the dirt, I dig until it's done. I tear off my shirt. I spit into my hands and rub them together. A matlock bites into the earth.